Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hello, my name is Istok and welcome to the episode two of the Dig In Travel Podcast. For today's episode, I talked to Anna Potanina. Anna is a UX consultant at Google and in her free time she's also an enthusiastic artist. She's an expert in user experience, design and conversion optimization, especially for mobile. I was really excited to talk about conversion optimization and user experience with Anna because we just started with the 2020 airline conversion optimization survey and research. With this research we benchmark how good airlines are at increasing conversion rate by systematically improving their user experience. And as with all of our research here at Digging Trail, we don't want you to provide you only the benchmarks. Part of every hour research white papers are practical tips from the real experts. And who can give you better insights than Google, right? Anna is a part of UX team at Google that did more than 600 UX audits in the last few years. So she is definitely the right person to listen to when it comes to conversion optimization and especially mobile user experience. Life is also sometimes full of funny coincidences. As one other thing happened to me right before I talked to Anna. Just a week before we talked, I did a conversion optimization workshop with one of the biggest local companies here and uh, they really want to take their e-commerce marketplace to the, ne- to the next level. Personally, I'm an analytics junkie, but for me, the most important part of conversion optimization process is understanding your users. So on this workshop with the e-commerce team, my main goal was to motivate them, to convince them, to convince the team to start doing systematic user research process. Because they have everything they need in place. They have the people, they have tons of, of, uh, of traffic on their website, they have access to their customers, they have the digital tools to do user research. They just need to start, just start it off. We talk with them how analytics framework can help them measure the right things, also how agile user research methods like online service, session recordings, unmoderated user testing can help them identify key trends. Then comes the most important part, the part when you really deep dive into it by meeting and talking to your users, by doing moderated user testing sessions with your users. I see so many airlines and companies who still, who still don't talk to their actual users. If you don't do it, you cannot understand who your users are, how they behave, why they buy from you, why they don't buy from you, what are their fears, what actually triggers them. But once you understand that, you know what to expose on your landing pages, on your websites, what fears to address during the booking flow, what copy to use during the key stages of your purchase process. So after my talk with Anna, I got many new ideas and was really hyped up. Uh, So hyped up up that I called the team and told them, hey, let's do another workshop. And we actually sat down and talked how to use some of the concepts Anna talked about and improve their user research and uh, how to understand their users even better. So I hope it will get you excited as well. Last thing, 
Anna is a real expert for mobile. I won't tell you how important mobile is because of course you already know that. Uh, just check the second part of our podcast where, where Anna gave some great examples and tips when we talked about how to do UX and conversion optimization on mobile. Enjoy the podcast and if you do, please give us a 5-star review. It will really help me make the next episodes even better. Hello, Anna, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Hello, Istok. How are you? Uh, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, the weather is great here in Dublin, and I feel super excited about the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's great to hear. Before we uh, dig deep uh, into CRO and UX and uh, how to do it on mobile, I want to ask you one thing. I saw you are also an artist. Uh, you you do illustrations, right? Yeah, I do a little bit of that, uh, and also some offline, like more traditional art, but also yeah, digital art and uh, illustrations. So a little bit of everything. So maybe what was the last uh, the last thing that you draw, or the last illustration, or the digital art that you did? Oh God, <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's an embarrassing question. I think the last thing I did was uh, just a portrait of my husband. <laughs> so, you know. I, was I he happy? He actually was, yeah. It's still um, on, on display in our apartment. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised he decided to put it on. But yeah, no, it's um, nothing too creative. It's just like especially things that I see in my day day-to-day life sometimes it's just like the only way how I process them is to make an artwork out of them you know to draw to paint or to do a digital collage so that that's again the way I'm trying to process the reality as a visual artist yeah, yeah it definitely sounds uh, exciting and I think it's it's like a good add-on to the other digital stuff that you do and um, hopefully yeah, it definitely helps with the creativity um, yeah, and uh, as a UX designer at Google, definitely helps to understand, or at least to, you know, trying to come up with the answer to a question, what is a good design? So right? I think every artist, every designer has a slightly different answer to that. Yeah, exactly. So if you go to your main, uh, let's say, main profession or your main expertise, which is you are a UX and CRO consultant, especially... Yeah. Uh, doing it for mobile. Uh, yeah. I see you do workshops and design sprints for various clients uh, uh, here at, uh, at Google. Uh, maybe if you can tell us how does the typical UX or design sprint workshop look like? Yeah, sure. So yeah, that's exactly what we do. Uh, let me el- elaborate a little bit more on what are the different UX engagements we're doing for Google partners. So the Eventually, eventually, the goal of all the work of my team is to help our partners to improve user experience and conversion rates on the web or apps, mostly on the mobile web, because this is where the companies was, would struggle a lot. Um, and we, we, we are doing this in a different ways. We can deliver a UX workshop where we would literally tell them what to do, what kind of hypothesis they can test um, in on their website or an app. We can, as you mentioned, um, absolutely right, 
facilitated design sprint and that would be more you know a teamwork exercise where we would act more as a facilitator rather than a ux consultant and then we have many other formats of um one-to-one -one engagements like we can educate people about how can they can use google analytics to retrieve ux insights um different um uh, a b testing best practices uh, usability testing best practices and the very recent format that we started doing uh, actually in israel my colleagues they came up with this really really innovative format called mobile labs but more like a c-level labs and this is when we ask a lot of stakeholders from different departments of the company to get together watch the user and after they watch the basically usability testing uh, after they watch that to come up with different action plans so those are the three main um again formats so the ux workshops is kind of more telling them what to do so what are those ideas people can test in their websites or apps and originally we started there uh, we developed some checklists and heuristics against which we were analyzing the assets but then you know we realized over time my team exists for about maybe five years um over time we realized that a lot of times people say thank you so much uh that's great recommendations and going to go implement them and then nothing happens and we started really deep diving and understanding what's going on why people don't test why people don't implement and we realize there are a lot more um there are a lot of things going on and other areas would need our support as well so we started educating about importance of testing approach uh importance of doing qualitative research as well what metrics make sense to measure how to look into data these, these kind of things um design sprints i would say they do work really well uh, if you want to improve time to implement right again you see people don't action so if you want to do it like real qu uh, quick changes agile changes quick changes agile yeah design sprints would work with agile methodology really well they just need to go ahead of um, developer sprints um and that is something where you can maybe for example solve a big problem right um a problem where a lot of different stakeholders would be involved you know for example we need to redesign the product card but what was the history there? Can the UX research present their point of view? Can the UX designers, um, I kind of know, uh, tell them what, what has been going on in the past, the evolution of design? Can developers tell us limitations? And then you all get together and trying to solve like really, you know, shared challenge and you try to develop a shared understanding of that problem. And we, we found it work, it works well uh, for people um because we would be acting as more or less a facilitator right so somebody external who is not part of the product team but we can again ask people to action and to brainstorm all together and to agree that certain changes are necessary and what the solution looks like and the last one, the user testing lab, right? So this is um, where we are watching the user and we are asking different stakeholders to watch the user. It's usually if the company is quite advanced in their 
CRO, like conversion optimization approach, uh, they would usually do user testing, but it's usually UX designers and user researchers who do user testing. In our labs, um, we are asking C-level marketing, literally everybody to come and watch the user. And this is how we're trying to bridge the gap in between company stakeholders and the end user, you know, so create this kind of empathy for all stakeholders, not only UX designers. Do you get uh, aha moments when the, let's say the most uh, senior uh, people and stakeholders watch the users struggle on the website? Uh, they, they, they can be a half of it. They might be, <laughs> oh my God, what? <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, and it's, it's, it's really hard because quite a, a lot of times people can say, oh, you know, it's just this person, they probably don't know how to use internet or, you know, they don't have the experience. But I was recently doing a training uh, by the Nielsen Norman Group, so basically doing UX certification with them. And uh, they were distributing really nice UX stickers. And uh, a few of them, so one of them was saying uh, that users are not stupid, they're clever. <laughs> that's, that's something that you really, the mindset you need to have when you go into these user labs and watch, start watching the user. And over time, you know, when you watched few users, you realize, okay, this is actually an issue in, in the app. It's not the people. <laughs> so do, you think, uh, <laughs> do you think it, uh, it helps the stakeholders if Google, like you guys, the experts from Google, and when the feedback and the, let's say the, uh, when they watch with you, uh, and if the observations come also from Google, do you think it helps uh, to move stuff uh, uh, quicker than if it's done only internally with their UX and design teams? Um, as we see from our practice, yes, it does. And uh, again, it's kind of the fact that we are detached uh, from from the product, uh, detached facilitators. And, you know, in a lot of times, and especially in a really advanced companies and the big companies, uh, people know their job and they uh, know a lot. And, um, you know, we are learning ourselves from every single company and the specialists we are working with. But sometimes it's just like this internal politics project management decision making is what makes this really hard and this is where the culture piece comes really important right uh, when the company doesn't have this optimization testing experimentation culture it, it's it's quite difficult to change to move fast to fail fast and you, you know ux designers they would usually know this kind of stuff the importance of this approach but it also has to be other people involved and we as Google are trying to step in to bring different stakeholders together and again act as a facilitator and, and you know make them agree on certain things that certain changes are necessary. So yeah great uh, great stuff. So I saw that your team at Google you and your team you did more than 600 UX and CRO audits. Which one was I don't know, the most unusual one, or which one maybe you like the most? Yeah, Tough I, question. Tough question, yeah. Let, let me think the most unusual one. 
or the one that you think that, uh, like you said before, that was there were the most aha moments where you move the me- needle, you know, when you were really impacted some change. So the company then started to test and implement new stuff. Yeah, maybe one of those um, stories that I can tell was with one multinational company. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have, you know, offices uh, in different countries all over the world and everywhere they have like a local version of their website and i was working with a few teams based in europe right and uh, even and they would have also a few brands and every brand would have also their their own version of, of the website um and so basically my role i i started again my engagements with them from just delivering UX recommendations like, hey, guys, did you consider to do this, that, that? Um, But after a while, uh, our conversation evolved, and then we did a design sprint when we, uh, you know, uh, gathered different product managers of all the brands into one room, tried to solve a certain challenge. In the same room, we educated people at the same time about the um, testing approach, um, and then the year after, they they, so they started doing doing a lot of A/B testing and sharing internally, right? So before they were kind of working in silos, and my role was actually just to show them the importance of knowledge sharing. If somebody tested this and this was a success, it's actually it's another argument for another product to try that approach, right? So my goal was, again, evolved over time into really being facilitator and trying to help them to set up the processes. And um, the next year, our engagement uh, became more about qualitative research and, again, importance of user testing. And, you know, I also I kind of started showing them how they can really start with this, right, if they don't have a budget, but then they were so much into this because when you're watching real people watching using your product it's it's so much fun first of all and inspiration you could get for your day-to-day job so they actually hired an agency so yeah as i can say you know it's it, it started really small but then over time my my role with them evolved and you know we, we were working a lot with them uh some key points of contact from that company on really working across departments, across different brands, across countries, and trying to build this culture of knowledge sharing, testing optimization, um, CRO basically, right? So this is uh, the, the approach that we are advocating. <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, why do you think I see this with airlines because we do airlines CRO research and now we are just in the middle or starting with the 2021 airline CRO benchmarks and research. Why do you think airlines and other companies still focus in e-commerce and marketing departments more on advertising and acquisition part than the CRO? Yeah, so I think the key in your question was that exactly the marketing department would focus on that, right? And not on the CRO. Because I think that's just the kind of the setup that historically exists in a lot of companies not just in airlines that people are working in silos right and marketing would be focusing on getting new leads 
um, getting more traffic uh, or you know and sales, and then the product teams would be looking for the in-product conversions and metrics. But the, what CRO is teaching us is actually that you should not be working in silos, right? Not just looking your, into your own area of responsibility, but you need to look at the holistic user journey. Um, how does how does it look like, right? Where people come from, what kind of ads they see, uh, how does the ad um, correspond with the landing experience that they get, um, right? And then what kind of uh, touch points they would usually have across different um, platforms of your product. Um, how how does the this user journey look like? And it should not be just the UX designers again doing that. It should be the whole company should have this shared responsibility and um, you know the c level has to be open and you know really put this as a goal as, a, as an okr that we adopt this approach um and also what, I, what i'm hearing a lot another reason why people would not adopt the CRO approach not only just in marketing department but but just in general uh it's when you just start with this, right? So you, you know, it, it may sound good in the very beginning. Yes, let's do the test, constant testing and experimentation, evolution, design, evolutionary design versus revolutionary. But then it, after a while, you, you know, you, you need to get used to it. It takes time to get used to CRO because uh, quite a lot of tests would be inconclusive, right? Quite a lot. Uh, the, the the ones that are winning might be winning just like really a couple of percent, right? And this is the number one concern that I'm hearing from people who are just starting with CRO. Like, you know, where is the impact? Where is the impact? We don't know how to interpret results. Uh, a lot of things are inconclusive and the wins are small. But that's exactly why they should be doing this, right? Because it's not, if you don't measure, then you may think that you are improving the user experience of the website, but you are not, right? So you still need to have these metrics in place and compare the before and after and to be absolutely sure you are doing the right, the right thing, right? Because, and uh, yeah, that's basically, again, how you increase the ROI from your marketing campaigns. If you look at the post-click experience, right? If uh, if marketing would, would look into the post-click experience, adopt this uh, cross-department zero approach. Yeah, I would definitely ask everyone to do that, but it's, it's hard to start. Okay. And what is maybe one common thing that you notice in the organizations, let's say, or the companies or your clients, they do it right, they do CRO right. What do you think, how are they different than the ones that they struggle with uh, the whole process or the culture that you mentioned that is so important? Yeah, exactly. This is, that's the, 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 the word that sums up it, it, the culture, right? So the culture where it's, first of all, people make a lot of suggestions, right? So. Uh, what kind of tests we launch, how do we study results, um, can we test this, have we tested this in the past, if yes, what exactly, how the test look like. Um, and it's a culture of experimentation, but more importantly, it's a culture where it's okay to fail, 
right? So when you are making suggestion, why don't we change the, I don't know, um, make the call to action button sticky on the top in the top navigation panel, and then over time the A/B test shows negative result where it's okay to fail it's not like people don't take it personally right because it's it's the learning the point of CRO is to learn and not to win not to prove that your ideas are great and that every single time you vet it it wins there's even really highly trained statisticians it's 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 a fact they make mistakes when it comes to interpreting results so in general people want to prove their ideas are great so really it's a culture of humble people the culture of people uh, who are okay with not win- winning tests, who are accepting this as a reality, who are learning from this, uh, from every single test, from every single redesign, and then they move on and build up on those learnings. And yeah, uh, when I also when I'm saying this culture of uh, testing and experimentation, I um, you know that the really successful companies that I saw, they don't do just data testing, so not just A-B tests. They also always do qualitative methods and this kind of the user research and user voice has the equal say along with the data. But I think that's, that's the second piece that is super, super important because again, it's usually UX design doing those things, but the higher up you get in the corporate hierarchy, right? The closer you are to the C level, the more data stakeholders would require. So but you, you mean by uh, combining user research and other data? So the, not just looking at the analytics, but, uh, understanding your users better from, I don't know, questionnaires, service, user labs, like you said, um, all these user research methods. Exactly. And even using this qualitative data to report up to C-level stakeholders, right? You can tell really powerful stories, not only with the data, but also by building the empathy with the end user, by showing the quotes or maybe, you know, short videos. This is what we encourage companies to do after the user labs, really to take the videos of the users and to, um, you know, do like a short video of the most powerful, like aha moments, if we can call it, <laughs> and send them to the C-level uh, and, and use them as a reporting, as a way to report as well. So the qualitative part should be, should have an equal say as well as a quantitative methods. And because it's, it's really easy to fall after uh, looking into just data. Um, I, I was, again, recently when I was doing the, certification with Nielsen Norman Group, they were calling this, uh, you know, affection uh, for qualitative, um, sorry, for quantitative and and data, like data fetishism or corporate Mm -hmm. cocaine. Because again, it's, it's, it's easy, right? It's the number and we're used to think that data doesn't lie. But then data only shows us what's going on, but why is is the qualitative part of things. And you can only answer the why by watching people. Yeah. And we have one of the questions in our CRO survey for airlines when we ask about the user research uh, methods is which method do you think personally do you like the most or do you think provides you 
most insights to understand your users. And then we ask them about, I don't know, user interviews, moderated testing, yeah. user testing, unmoderated, uh, eye tracking, things like that. Which uh, which is your personal favorite? Which do you think uh, adds the most uh, uh, insights into users' uh, reasoning and thinking? Yeah, so um, usability testing, I, I would say, is uh, one of the most powerful um, to, to my uh, personal preference. Again, what, watching people using the product uh, helps you to, first of all, identify low-hanging fruits, right? Uh, maybe some burning issues, something that you really need to fix now. But it also helps you to come up with some, you know, ideas and maybe ideas for further research and exploration. So it's kind of both. You can have a strategic um projects as an outcome from this, right? So we probably need to look into this, do a okay. design sprint on that, uh, ask for research, additional research on this, but you also can have a, a roadmap of really tactic things to change right now. Like so you experienced and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you an airline professional interested in e-commerce, digital marketing, or ancillary revenue? Do you want to increase the conversion rate on your website or increase ancillary revenue? Then deep dive into airline industry trends with our special Dig In Travel airline workshops. What will you learn in our workshops? All Dig In Travel workshops are based on our specialized airline research and hands-on airline consulting experience. During the workshop, we will provide you with benchmarks for more than 50 airlines based on type, size, and geography. You'll also see real airline examples, case studies, and e-commerce and ancillary revenue best practices. Still not convinced? Listen to what an airline digital manager said about our recent workshop. My expectations were far exceeded by his talk's workshop on ancillary revenue and digital retail. He brought a fresh air of perspectives and industry insights that provided great value for the teams involved. The workshop helped us regroup our thoughts on the major ideas where our focus should be in the upcoming months. Reach out to us at info at digintravel.com to get options for your workshop topics and a draft of the agenda. We are still uh, talking with uh, Anna Potanina from Google, the UX and CRO expert. Uh, Anna, one other thing uh, that I wanted to ask you and uh, where you are, your expertise is really strong is doing CRO and UX on mobile. Yeah. Um, and I recommend to all Digging Travel uh, listeners and podcast listeners and our readers to check some of the Anna's work uh, webinars on uh, YouTube on uh, mobile UX because they are great material with a lot of practical examples about landing pages, uh, product pages, and all this stuff. To me, Anna, it seems, and this is what I see when we analyze also the airline industry, that we as an industry hardly figure out how to do CRO for desktop websites. So for example, how to do uh, design, how to do analytics, how to test user research, all these things that you mentioned. And now mobile, I think it's completely a different beast. And I see a lot of airlines struggle with it, or I see a lot don't do the CRO on mobile at all. So what do you think is, how to start? How to start on mobile with CRO? Mm, so let me 
break it down into just mobile, right? Starting in mobile, what kind of um, things you can consider there, and then how to start with CRO if they're not there yet. Okay. In general, the mobile CRO, I would say, it should be the same approach as you do have on desktop. It's just that mobile should get, again, it's the same voice on all your dashboards and in all your projects in every single A-B test, right? Or like you, you should also be running experimentation for just mobile users separately, right? So not every single test is designed for all platforms, right? Sometimes some tests just have to be designed for mobile only. And um, so it definitely should become a priority. Um, and he, this is where both the, the speed, so the performance side of things and the UX and design side of things have to work all together. We even have, um, you know, this concept that Google is talking about is called performance budget, right? So that is, um, uh, something that you can decide as a team for your mobile strategy. For example, let's agree everyone that our page has to load in three seconds, not more, right? And that is kind of our limitation. What we want to spend these three seconds on. Is that any script? Is that um, heavy images? So in and every single change that the, any department is doing, that uh, any landing pages that marketing is launching, they have to coordinate with this OKR, right? And and, and this is really a great example of cross-functional work towards a shared goal, towards excellent mobile performance. That's a good uh, tip to have a a budget in seconds not in uh, value in euros or in dollars <laughs> that's true i think uh, my ex-managers would love that so they would give me uh, stock and give you five additional seconds or in this case <laughs> they would basically reduce it <laughs> yeah at the end of the day performance is the money <laughs> yeah, that's true that's yeah, true the money. yeah so, and, and then i would say also there is this um you know, idea of apps and web, right? They're kind of part of the same coin of, of mobile coin. Um, and uh, it's it's quite interesting now to watch the industry and where we are moving. Uh, because originally there was this um, understanding that, oh, it's really different types of audience. It's, um, you know, different company goals that you're, uh, trying to achieve with app or web. But at the moment, the line is really blurring, and this is the trend that we, we see all over um, industries, especially with technologies like progressive web apps that allow you to achieve the app-like experience on the web, right? Um, and I don't know. So, for example, you can introduce offline functionality. I think there is a great example of Air France, right? That when you are um, offline, uh, and then if you have checked in and you have a flight soon, then they would be caching the page with your boarding pass. So, right? They are mm -hmm. using the offline state as an advantage, and they are telling, "Hey, you are offline, but we saved the most crucial information for you." I think this is a great example of great customer yeah. experience, uh, and yeah, the the brand trust, right? Uh, and this is what we are 
um, asking people to leverage the offline state, to leverage the capabilities of the modern web, right? Today, we can, you can achieve a lot on the web that was not possible before, but uh, now you can do it in apps and on the web as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I also saw the Air France PDA example, and I think it works great. Like you said, it's uh, good for performance and uh, mobile UX. If I go uh, back to CRO and on mobile, um, you said, and I agree, that methodology of uh, research, understanding users, doing analytics, and then optimizing and testing is the same as on desktop. But what about execution? Do you need different tools? Or uh, are there any specific, uh, let's say, sp specifics for UX and design on mobile? Uh, what differences do you see when you do mobile optimization projects? I would say just maybe some of the best practices, they are relevant only to mobile design. Um, but that's more like a subject, right? So it's more, it's not the process. The process should be the same. Maybe some uh, design guidelines would be slightly different on mobile devices because we're using them differently. We're holding them with our hands. So we're tapping instead of... One example maybe of such uh, design guideline that is different, for example, if you know for travel or general for mobile, what we say for... Uh, um, even like if, you, if you take the navigation bar, right? Uh, so yeah. desktop um, uh, have been designed and originally they have this website layout when you have the navigation bar in the top uh, and in mobile actually the bottom um, of the screen is considered to be a more ergonomic location because if you're holding the phone with just one hand you don't need to change the way you're holding it you don't need to take the second hand in order to tap right you can just tap it with your thumb uh, but it this is what we see a lot uh, mobile websites so specifically website they would get this legacy design from desktop so they would uh, have this legacy top navigation bar on the top of the page and we're asking them to challenge this and try the bottom one right because this is how the app would be designed so why don't you do the same uh, bottom navigation bar, which is more ergonomic for mobile on your website as well. So yeah. these kind of things, the ergonomics, the uh, size of the buttons, the contrast. Um, okay, well, the contrast might still be the, the same uh, guideline. But um, yeah, even you know the way you are for, for apps, it's uh, things like onboarding experience, right? Uh, quite often when you're installing uh, the app, what, what kind of experience you want to show uh, so that you don't annoy people too much, but um, then you still add a value and explain what the service is about. Yeah, so all of those things that are relevant to just the way people interact with mobile devices. And I think that was a great example when you say a navigation bar at the bottom instead of the top, because as you mentioned, this is also a lot of time I see when people say, okay, we will just do responsive mobile site and these things get replicated uh, from the desktop yeah. to the mobile. And this is probably one of the things that you would see on the first user test or, or the first, uh, let's say, uh, lab test where people will have their device in the hand and then they would need to change 
how they hold the phone just to do to access the navigation bar, right? Yeah, but it's still not that easy. It's not as straightforward, you know. If it was so obvious, then everybody would have done it already. Uh, it's you know it, there is this user habit as well because now a lot of people are used to the top navigation bar, and especially on the web, um, on on desktop and on mobile. To some extent, people are used to the hamburger button. Right. The don't so, make me think principle. Yeah, they don't want yeah, to search it in, in a different location. Exactly, exactly. But eventually, we are saying, well, you know, from the apps world and from a lot of mobile usability research, we know that the bottom of the screen is much more accessible location. And if you expose your um, the top level categories, the icons in the bottom navigation bar, instead of hiding them behind the hamburger button, that's a much more, uh, much better user experience because people are instantly aware of what are different things they can do in the app or in the website. So why don't you do this in the website? So it's, uh, it's tricky. You, it, there are some, you know, uh, <laughs> user, user, um, Trends too, not not, not the user trends. There, uh, yeah. habits. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the user habits as well, and it's hard to argue with that. The hamburger button has been around for a while, but you need to challenge this constantly. And again, with the progressive web apps, when we can really take an inspiration from the native apps and uh, scale this to the web platform, I think that is a really good time to start asking yourself these questions. Okay, you mentioned one very valid point. Yeah, so it's the challenge of, okay, don't change stuff that the work or that the people are used to. For example, in the airline industry, this usually is the search form, you know, yeah. uh, on mobile or in desktop, make it look like every other search form because people don't want to think and they don't want this additional cognitive load of thinking. We don't like, we are lazy. Uh, but then if I go to back, uh, your background as a artist or let's say as a designer, illustrator, designers by default, they want to do new, unique, creative, let's say visually appealing work. How do you... How do you manage these two things? Because I remember back in my airline days, once I spent two hours in a meeting fighting with a designer who wanted this rotating globe icon with strange shades for the uh, for the language selection change. Okay. And we, nobody will figure this out. And where we user tested, really, nobody did. So how do you challenge this balance between, you know, how do you motivate designers to do great design, great UX, but on the other hand, uh, don't reinvent the wheel because users hate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I can probably only repeat what you said uh, and agree that, yes, there is this conflict. And I constantly see this in my work when we speak to UX designers. They, of course, they want to show the best of their creative selves and uh, create really unique and beautiful experiences that are visually appealing. But uh, the point of, you know, using websites is quite often following 
conventions, so to make making things usable and recognizable, easy to understand. Uh, so quite often it's just simply following best practices that we are educating them. And yeah, as, as I said before, uh, in one of my talks actually, that that's exactly the conflict that's constantly happening in my heart, right? As a artist, I, I want to create these really unique experiences, but my daytime job is uh, literally making all websites follow the same visual guidelines or standards. So uh, there is a conflict for sure, but I think that the answer is these, um, what we discussed before about uh, bringing stakeholders all in the room, all sharing the same goals, uh, stating this is a company-wide OKR, um, and including everyone into all conversations uh, about performance, conversions, user experience because when designers will when designers start understanding how that is really impacting the user perception the metrics the behavior conversions right the money uh then of course they will um start yeah text labels to strange icons so that that's number one recommendation that we always give have text labels to every single icon that you have in your website you cannot be too clear like no 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 one ever said oh this is too clear to me so yeah uh, so but, but in general i think it's it's great to still let people show best of their creative selves because we we do want to have this um, uh, to create this unique brand feel and look right so we need to aim for this in in the first place but yeah how how can you do that at the same time by maintaining the highest standard of usability that has that's always going to be the question yeah no i agree i agree and i think it's uh, about education yeah so once you educate the designers like you said the ux team about the cro the impacts of testing what once you explain them uh, the effect the conversion has on e-commerce on sales I think the, the the really good designers get it, and then get they get excited about the testing because they get they get feedback about their work. Uh, so yeah. that I think yeah, it's a very valid point. So maybe at the end, uh, Anna, because we are doing this airline research and airline and travel industry has some specifics. Are there any tips, uh, any things that you see uh, for our industry uh, or? Uh, any special recommendation just for the CRO or the mobile uh, that you can think of? I can't think of any specific recommendation, but we, we do have a lot of resources on uh, on this for travel, for airlines. Uh, and Yeah, I referenced some, our book, uh, I think your colleagues, or uh, they did this uh, great UX playbook for travel, and they explained some of the principles that are also in your uh, webinars for UX with special travel examples, right? Yeah, yeah, there is the playbook for travel. Uh, we also have just a general YouTube channel about uh, UX and conversions, uh, called conversions at Google. I, I can share everything with you after the podcast. Great, and we'll put it in the podcast notes. Yeah, also there is... Um, a, a website called Masterful Mobile Web. This is where we have recently published 
industry benchmarks and it has a section with benchmarks for uh, for travel okay. uh, so that's basically the key things key heuristics uh, and how um you know well they are being followed in the industry across different countries so i i can share with you that one i would definitely recommend to have a look and also different especially class examples how pe people do that so if that's for example display um a i don't know a progress bar when people are in the basket or really close to conversion right uh how many websites are doing this in france for example okay great great no no this sounds great i think at least me uh, all this stuff that you're talking about especially conversion ux mobile uh, it's a topic i think we are both passionate about and we i could talk for another hour but uh, i thank you for today i think the insights were great uh, we'll put uh, for all our listeners we'll put all the show notes with all the links and all the materials uh, in the podcast uh, notes and you can access them there i definitely recommend to check anna's work because uh the the webinars and the playbooks are great and anna was really a pleasure thank you so much Esther. this podcast is brought to you by digintravel.com Dig in Travel is your number one resource when it comes to airline and travel digital marketing and e-commerce. Visit digintravel.com to find the latest digital trends and white papers with in-depth airline digital benchmarks.